everyone misaligned is back and we actually have a very big announcement i am going to keep it brief though because i'm actually going to do an episode just by myself on it in about a week or two to explain things a little more but this is going to be the final regular episode of misaligned it was a decision i made and i let chris and megan know about it and we're going to go ahead and just retire the podcast after the next episode I put out, it'll probably just be me talking for about 10 minutes, letting you all know what's going on and everything like that. But, you know, I've done 103 episodes counting this one, actually 104 technically, because we had a 0.5 episode somewhere in there along the way. And it's it's been a very, very good run on this podcast. And Megan, since you are here, I just want to quickly thank you for being my current co-host. And I know you haven't been on the show the entire time, but you've still been on a really big chunk of the show. So I just want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for having me on the show, like for a good chunk of its run as well. A podcast hitting over 100 episodes is a very huge milestone, I think. And even though I'm saddened to hear that we're going to be retiring the misaligned moniker, I do think it's cool that we're retiring it after we hit the 100 episode mark. Yeah, definitely. And it took us a little longer to get there because when the podcast first started, it was something that was every other week. And then I started doing interview episodes to fill in on the off weeks. And then we went to the seasonal format. So the show has been through many different types of episodes and formats and everything like that. So, you know, also thank you to the listeners for sticking with us for over 100 episodes. Obviously, without you guys, we probably wouldn't have done this nearly as long as we have been. But it's definitely been a solid run. And I know, Megan, you're going to keep doing projects with Modern Vinyl and whether or not that's a podcast or just some more cool writing pieces or what have you. I know you and Chris are going to cook something up that is just as fun as Misaligned has been. Oh, totally. I mean, I've got some great things in the works over at Modern Vinyl, which I'm hopefully going to have out this week. We'll see. Could be next week, too. Nice, nice. And like I said, I'll have a little episode in a week or two after this just on what I've been up to and what I'll be doing, because trust me, I am definitely not done with podcasts. It's by far the opposite, actually, right now. So, you know, podcasts are always going to be around. I'll probably be doing them as long as they're relevant. And right now we are going to give you all our fandom finale. We've been talking about fandoms all season, and it's definitely been interesting because fandoms are quite different based on who they are fans of and these People have different tastes and react in different ways to different types of news and everything like that. But speaking of news, Megan actually has a piece of fandom news for us. So it was nicely timed to just coincide with this finale recording. And we can thank The National for this, too. Today, which is the 9th, The National announced that they are starting Cherry Tree, which is kind of an exclusive fan club for like the hardcore National fans. The one thing we didn't branch on this season were some of the fan clubs that you have to pay to be a part of. Like, sure, anyone can say that they're a fan of a band, but if you pay $50 a year or more, depending on who the band is, 
then you too can get some pretty cool things. With the cherry tree thing that they're starting, it is going to be $50 a year, but that $50 a year is going to give fans exclusive content from the National, exclusive and limited edition merch, priority access for tickets, an annual collectible vinyl, and so much more, because who knows what the National has to throw out at fans. Yeah, and that's awesome that they're doing a collectible vinyl every year, because that means they plan on releasing music consistently long enough to keep that going on a yearly basis. And obviously, they can go back and start with their previous albums and everything like that to fill in some points where they might not have a release a year or something like that. But You know, that kind of brings me to one of the things I wanted to talk about today in our wrap up of fandoms. And some artists are way more involved with their fandoms than others. You know, some will give their fans a name and that's kind of sort of where it ends. But with something like this, you can tell the National put a lot of time and thought into this or at least their marketing team did or what have you. Because when you're on a major label, obviously that's going to factor into the decisions the artists make and everything like that. But it's really cool to see things like this come up because if you think about it, you could pay $50 for a record store day release. So to get all of these things on top of that and the collectible vinyl, that's something that's really cool. And we've seen it with some others too, where, you know, they have their fan clubs and you get a first chance at tickets and everything like that. And that's always something that I feel like artists have done for their hardcore fans if they are really into the idea of having a fan club and everything like that so it's just one of those interesting things where it's like okay yeah this artist gave their fans a name but they don't really do anything with that they just talk to them with that name and everything like that so what are your thoughts on how certain artists get really involved with their fan clubs I love it I really do. It brings a personal touch to the fan club and to a fan base. I mean, as we record, we've got Paramore interacting with fans on Parahoy, and I can't wait to see photos from that because I have several friends who are on that right now. I know that something a lot of fans are also doing, which isn't necessarily in the vein of fan clubs per se, but they are doing VIP tickets or If you pay extra, you get a special ticket, and that gives you the meet and greet with the artist and some exclusive merch. And I'm still a little conflicted on, say, the VIP things like that, because if fans want access to some of their favorite artists, like I know Andrew McMahon does a lot of this now, even though he will still come out after shows and greet fans because he is just a genuinely wonderful human being. But... If you're asking fans to pay upwards of $75 for a ticket add-on, I think it's kind of pushing it a little and it's like, hey, let's see how much we can milk out of fans, even though like the artists are great. And it's like, it gives that air of exclusivity that sometimes people will just raise on a pedestal. So I'm still like kind of conflicted about that. But at the same time, if artists are open to being with fans even without having fans pay extra, then I think that's really cool. And it shows that there's a lot going on that the artists are just wonderful, genuine human beings who actually do care about their fans. 
like going back to the national thing, if their exclusive annual vinyl this year is not their recording of the Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving song, then why bother signing up? Like, that's the only thing I could think of that they could release in a timely manner. And plus, who doesn't love Bob's Burgers or the Thanksgiving song? I'll admit, a show I haven't watched, but I've heard wonderful things, and I know you will be surprised by that, but you know, it'll go on my very, very long list of things to watch. Don't worry, Megan. Oh my gosh, it's so easy to binge, too. Like, it is great. Honestly, I think of myself as a Tina, mixed with a little bit of Louise, and one year for Halloween, I was, in fact, Tina Belcher, because I kind (laughs) of look like her. Nice. And you mentioned Andrew McMahon. I feel like, too, with artists who are playing these smaller venues, let's say a thousand to two thousand cap, it's like that's a lot of people to have in a room watching you perform and everything. But at the same time, it's still small enough to feel like a more intimate performance. Whereas when you have these big artists like Beyonce and Rihanna and a bunch of the big pop artists and rock bands and everything like that, they're playing arenas and you don't always get that same feeling that you get when you're watching these small to mid-sized artists because it's just there's so much distance between you and the person literally when you're in an arena unless you're like you know one of those people who pays for front row tickets or the first five rows or something like that but it is interesting to see how much easier it is to access people like Andrew McMahon at their shows because a lot of those artists won't make you pay extra money to see them they'll go hang out at the merch table or something and you can say hi have them sign whatever you're buying or if you brought something and it's just a much different vibe and I think because you and I listen to a lot of these smaller to mid-sized bands it's something we're certainly more familiar with I know we go to a lot more of those shows than we do arena concerts but for some people it's like they'll go to a few big shows a year and that's it they're not constantly going to things and I'll admit I haven't been going to shows as much lately but that's for money reasons not the lack of wanting to well going back to the concerts thing I just kind of pulled up some of the venues that I have attended over the years that are on the larger side that aren't arenas like I've seen Coldplay in an arena I've seen Beyonce in Hershey Park Stadium which is like an arena but not really but you know it was still awesome It's still big. (laughs) Yeah. And thinking back to all the shows I've been to, like I just saw Sorority Noise at the Capitol Ale House Music Hall in Richmond, which is still a strange venue. And it's interesting because the Broadberry, which is a venue also in Richmond, works with Cap Ale's Music Hall to kind of put bigger shows on. But I feel like the Broadberry is actually bigger than the Music Hall itself. But anyway, it was still fun. And I still was very bruised. But looking at where I'm going to be seeing Andrew McMahon next, on his extremely intimate pen and piano tour, he'll be playing in Charlottesville at the Jefferson, which holds about 750 people. Compare that to other places that I've seen him, like the Chameleon Club in Lancaster, which is about 1,000 people plus, give or take what floors are open. One of the most iconic venues probably in the whole nation is the 930 club out in dc and it says here that it's a 1200 person capacity so this is really going to be a special show and i think andrew will really try to reach out to his fans even beyond paying for that whole meet and greet thing another thing i'm actually going to 
really suggest to people that if you do have an independent music station in your area or even an NPR music station, try to become a member of those stations and reach out because they too also understand what it's like being a music fan and they will give you some really cool experiences. I know that as a member of WNRN outside of Charlottesville, they do things at the National, they do things at all the venues in Charlottesville, and they have sound check parties, they have exclusive intimate listening sessions. Like a few months ago, I saw Waxahachie perform at one, and then a few weeks ago, they had Phoebe Bridgers doing a little, or not an acoustic set, but an actual intimate set with her band members for the members of the station. And these are often free. Like, you don't even have to have a ticket to the show that you're seeing to see these artists and actually get to meet them and take pictures with them. Like, when Dawes came through Richmond in July, I was working as a volunteer and the volunteer coordinator was like, hey, do you actually want to come to our sound check party too that we're going to have with Dawes? Like, you're already going to be here. So why not? I was like, "Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So it might sound corny to be like, hey, support public media, but it does pay off. It really does, especially for music fans who love, love, love everything about it. Yeah. And when I was in Philly, Radio 104.5 would put on free shows and they were outdoors. So you could literally just be walking around and happen to see this event going on and just walk up so it's really cool when radio stations will do things like that and like you said supporting public media never a bad idea so that's something people should definitely look into if possible and one of the other things I wanted to bring up about fandoms is that no two fan bases ever really feel quite the same like I mentioned earlier you know some fans will react to the same type of news in different ways or different news in different ways. And, you know, you've seen this when, like, for instance, we were talking about Ariana Grande's Arianators and how they jump to her defense and how the fans will talk about Beyonce just when the tiniest bit of news comes out. And it's always really interesting to see these different reactions to tour announcements or something as small as a, feature on someone else's song or something like that and there's definitely different levels of fandom which is something we talked about in the Paramore episode like there's a certain point where things just get a little too creepy for everyone's liking and that's when you know fans can definitely go too far and everything like that but it feels like you know even if one person or several people might be fans of the same few artists the fan base as a whole is never really going to be exactly the same as another artist true and everyone is different like we've got the hardcore fans who will live breathe eat sleep and die everything about their favorite artists like i was reading oh no they didn't yesterday and that's a gossip site. It's still on LiveJournal. It's one of the few sites from the LiveJournal era, like what we talked about with Parahoy, that is still sticking around. And plus, I trust it for gossip anyway, because I enjoy reading the latest celebrity scandals. But with that said, it's they had something about Justin Bieber yesterday, 
about how he was at some sort of spin class and he discovered a fan waiting for him at his car after spin class. Like, okay, a how would you know where he goes to spin class in the first place? And B, well, maybe his car is pretty recognizable because he does have a Land Rover of some sort. But despite that, he was getting agitated because this fan was waiting patiently at his car and had a present and a flower for him. And she got mad when he just like drove away. Like, the one thing that fandom should understand is that there is a clear line between being an obsessive fan who knows all the words to the lyrics and, like, wants to have a good time and actually actively stalking the person who you're a huge fan of. Like, I don't like Justin Bieber. We all know this. But I do believe that he has his own right to, you know, personal privacy. Like, if I were famous and had just millions of fans, I would be so weirded out if someone had, like, stalked out my daily schedule without me even posting it. Right. Just to be like, hey, I have something for you. But of course, as a woman, you also have that, oh my god, what if someone's going to just, like, kidnap me and murder me and all of that? Which I don't think guys have to go through as much as we do. Yeah. And to go on a little tangent here, because it wouldn't be misaligned without one, Whenever I see the Star Tours in LA, it something about it just doesn't feel right. And I know, you know, that's mostly movie stars that are on those tours, but it, it could include musicians probably too or something like that. I don't know because I've never been on one and I've never really wanted to go on one because I think it's just so wrong to figure out where these people live and literally drive people by their houses all day long. <laughs> I know, like that's... Definitely one of the more touristy things you can do in California. And don't they go to like death places as well of celebrities? Because that's a little weird. Well, there's like the big famous cemetery out here. And then there's also the Museum of Death, which I've been to. And a lot of that will include some celebrity stuff. But it's more overall just kind of meshed with the history of the city. So it's definitely one of those things where they'll do like films at the cemetery kind of thing and I've because I'm in Orange County right now I've never done any of those things and I always feel really weird doing like the touristy things in a place you've lived in your whole life anyway or lived near your whole life so it's not something I've ever done although like I said I did go to the Museum of Death a while back it might have been like it was within the last few years so it was fairly recent but you know museums are uh, somewhat typical thing for even local people to go to. I'm sure you've been to museums in your area or in the D.C. Oh my gosh, before. Yeah. Oh, totally. But like, I don't know. I feel like a museum of death sounds less touristy and more just like, holy crap, that sounds awesome. I want to go look at dead things. <laughs> it's very small. Like the hallways are very narrow. It's not this big thing like the La Brea tar pits out here or anything where you can tell that they want everyone to go to it. It's literally just like down a street in LA. And if you blink, you might miss it. So it's not a huge thing. I wouldn't necessarily think that is, like you said, as much of a touristy thing, but it is there. If tourists want to go to it, just look it up. Right. It's like even the small art museums that I go to from time to time, like totally off the music path here. But like last year <laughs> when I... That went to Chicago, like outside of Chicago, 
there was a small art museum and a really cool lapidary art museum. Who would have ever thought that lapidary art could be really cool because it's literally just rocks and like gemstones and other really cool things like that, which of course kind of plays into my obsession with Steven Universe, but you know, small things. And sometimes it's actually better to go to these small off-the-path things instead of doing the super touristy things. Like, I know in Hollywood, they've got the Walk of Fame. And I'm sure that the Hollywood, well, not Hollywood, the Beverly Hills Hilton gets a lot of people too because so many celebrities have died there. Yeah. Which, I don't know how I'd feel about actually wanting to, like, stay in a room that a celebrity died in, even though I probably couldn't afford it in a million years. But, you know. (laughs) There's a fine line between that obsession and that, like, oh, my God, let's do this sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you want to dive into some of the fandoms now that we didn't end up discussing in too much detail here? Why are Ed Sheeran's fans called Cheerios? (laughs) I don't know, but I laughed so hard when I saw that because I just kept thinking about Cheerios and I really like Cheerios. So there's that. why aren't they like trolls or something because he literally just looked like a troll (laughs) anyway that's that's really mean-spirited but you know sometimes you just got to be mean-spirited and of course like aren't the tennessee kids with justin timberlake also the name of his backing band yes and that was something that i was definitely going to point out and for the fan club it's stylized as the tn kids which is just the initials or the abbreviation for tennessee Ah, but then we also have on here of course, Taylor Swift's Swifties, Justin Bieber's Beliebers, Britney Spears's Britney Army, which isn't super creative, Christina, Christina Aguilera's Fighters, which is basically just named after her song Fighter, and then Miley Cyrus's Smilers. That's a, that's a lot of S's in a row there, guys. And that is based off of her childhood childhood nickname of Smiley. So there's a little fun fact there for the Smilers, but these are some of the really big artists that we didn't get around to talking about because, you know, it's one of those things where their fan clubs might not have been quite as interesting as some of the other ones we talked about. And Megan, I know you are not a Taylor Swift fan, but she does do a lot for her fans. She will stand for hours taking pictures with her fans and signing things for her fans so and she'll even send random fans just like nice things as goodwill she does a lot with cancer patients she's really just you know i can't stand her but i do have to say good on her for her philanthropy yeah and it's totally fine to you know not like someone's music but then think they've done a lot of really good things that's something that's totally normal and i think a lot of people probably feel that way about several artists or tech company people or what have you it's just something that is fairly common for a lot of famous people to do i know there are actors and like i said tech people who just give a lot of their time and money to charitable causes and everything like that and she definitely does that a lot and then you know, we have the believers here, and I don't know if you and I have ever really been Justin Bieber fans. I remember watching his videos, like his cover songs and everything, before he even ever signed to a label. And then it's like once he signed to a label, it, it felt like everything went downhill from there, <laughs> at least personally. 
Well, I'm sure he had some mental breakdowns here and there from the fame and the whole Selena thing that's still going on. But I do actually want to branch on the Britney army for a little bit because there are so many different eras of Britney that I feel like everyone at one point would be like Chris Crocker, who, fun fact, does live in Southwest Virginia, apparently, and is friends with like some of my boyfriend's friends, which is just kind of mind blowing. (laughs) But anyway... Britney fans, like when I picture Britney Army, I just picture Chris Crocker going, um, leave Britney alone and just crying and all of that. Because I think out of all of these celebrities, she has had the roughest time. Like there was her breakdown in 2008. There was the whole having two kids with Kevin Federline of Papa Zhao fame. And I literally just wanted an excuse to say Papa Zhao because it's funny. But these fans, like, if they've been with her throughout her career from the 90s to today, they're the ones that are out there buying the tickets to see her on her Vegas residency. They're the ones that are just, like, openly cheering. And they're the ones that are just like, what an actual angel. We would buy her art if she sold it, too. Just, like, she's managed to deal with fame in her own way minus that breakdown and being involved with all those very shady crazy people but i mean she's even posted her son's dragon ball z art on her instagram yeah (laughs) like i feel like that's just a wholesome person to be part of like to be a queen of a fan club or something like that and then with christina aguilera with the fighters well Let's just hope they weren't around for the dirty era because that was that was a mess. Let's not relive <laughs> the dirty era. But well, the song "Fighter" didn't come out until two thousand two, I think. Maybe as a single in two thousand three. Maybe, but I do know that there's still this whole justice for. I think it's either Bionic or Lotus. And I'm going to look that up because it also wouldn't be a misaligned episode if one of us wasn't Googling something while recording. Well, those are both the last two albums that she did. And apparently she has an album coming this year. It says TBA 2018. I'd be interested to see what happens with that. Oh, that'll be fun. But yeah, like Bionic was released in 2010. And let's see. I don't want Cher's discography. It just took me to Cher's discography instead. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, here we go. And then we've got Lotus. I think it was more Justice for Bionic than Justice for Lotus because Lotus came out in 2012. And I do remember just like all the fans being like, oh, my God, how did Bionic get so overlooked? It looks like Lotus was more of a dance pop album. I don't know. I don't really know anything from this era. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, it was definitely, definitely Justice for Bionic. All I know about Lotus is that she had a song on there with Blake Shelton. Probably because they were voice coaches together. Yeah, that seems to be right around the same time since that was 2012. And I think that's when I I don't even know how many seasons of The Voice there have been, but it's definitely been on at least since then. (laughs) I know. And now they've got Kelly Clarkson as a coach and Alicia Keys. And it's just like constantly changing. And Adam was blonde. Anyway, (laughs) I haven't really kept up with this season. But yeah, it's like you can see that the pop fans are much more defensive of their favorite artist. And in Justin and Taylor's case, they're much more obsessive to a point where I feel like it's probably unhealthy and maybe they should get that checked out because I don't 
know why anyone would want to be so obsessed with someone that they would just like stalk someone like my god I keep going back to that and then it's interesting with Miley's fan club that they've kept the smilers for so long because she's gone through all of those different eras right like she's back in her hippie country chic era instead of the culturally appropriating black folks era which was a terrible era even though it did give us wrecking ball and a hilarious music video but i digress yeah and for the tennessee kids i know we touched on them a little already here but i can confirm that they do have at least a newsletter because i i don't know if it was when i went to see justin timberlake and jay-z co-headline but i ended up on the mailing list for it i think I may or may not have unsubscribed from it at this point because I went on an unsubscribing binge quite a while ago and I was like, I get too many emails. So I just started unsubscribing from everything that I didn't like totally need to get. So I can confirm that there is at least that much involvement with the fan club and everything like that. But I don't know too many of the actual details on what the Tennessee kids completely entails. I don't know either. I just remember that when I saw Justin in September, that it was Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids, and that was like the big thing. So I don't know. I also don't remember seeing any merch for this, for the uh, concert I was at, probably because I got there late and probably because I didn't want to walk around the stadium to see if there was anything else related to the artists or like their fan clubs or something like that. Yeah. So I just looked it up and the price for being part of the premium Tennessee kids is $25 a year. For the $25, you get access to exclusive contests, merchandise, and content throughout the year. And then you get new music as it becomes available. And you get access to the Tennessee kids ticket presale windows and more. I don't know what more entails, but you know, that probably is just some extra little tidbits here and there. And then I think, obviously, the newsletter is probably just his regular newsletter to let all of the fans know about what's going on. That makes sense. But 25 bucks a year really isn't all that bad, considering it comes with the new music whenever he releases it, too. That's true. And, like, taking a look at the Nationals for $50 a year, it's like... It definitely does have more of a reasonable price point than shelling out that much just for an indie band. Yeah, but you're getting a record with that one. This one, I think it's just digital. Yeah, that's still not terrible. Yeah, so is there any other fandom that you want to touch on that we missed? I know, obviously, there are going to be a lot that we didn't talk about in comparison to what we did talk about, but that's just because there are so many artists out there we possibly could not have covered every single artist fandom in the what eight episodes we did here yep awesome well are you ready for recommendations then i am and i think both of us have actual music ones this week i tried very hard to have a music one for the last episode (laughs) it's all good so mine this week is sister cities by the wonder gears this is one of my favorite wonder gears albums to date and the ocean grew hands to hold me if I just like probably butchered that completely. Yes, the ocean grew hands to hold me might be one of my favorite closing songs on an album in a long time. Like I heard it and I started sobbing and honestly, it felt nice to sob over an album for once. 
Yeah, this is an album that I keep being told to listen to, but have not done so yet. And I have some big interview save to read for this album too. So that is on my to-do list. Who knows if I will have done it by the time you are all listening to this. I guess I can update you on that in the little tidbit of an episode I plan to release after this. But my recommendation this week is Songs of the Isolation by Pale Houses. And this is a new band to me, at least. I have no previous knowledge of this band before they were sent to my inbox and I decided to check out the EP. It's just six songs and it's like, it's just super pleasant to listen to. I don't know how exactly to explain it as a genre, but it's probably along the lines of indie pop rock, I guess you could say. Megan, I think this is a band you would definitely enjoy. I think I've actually listened to a few of their stuff before. Yeah, well, they have a new EP out, so I highly recommend checking that out. I will have to do that. Well, this was a fairly short episode just to wrap everything up here. Megan, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up this final regular episode? It's been a good run. Indeed it has. And you can still find us on Twitter. I am at DCHAP with three E's. It'll be in the show notes because this is just too much to explain every podcast. But Megan, you are at Megan underscore. So that one's a little, a little bit easier to remember there, but you know your name also isn't spelled like the typical Megan, so there's that. True, and I'm still mad that I still can't get rid of that underscore in my name. Like, <laughs> one day, I will have it. If I have to be like, hey, Twitter, can I please have this to get rid? Because the person hasn't tweeted. I'm looking at this now. They've been a member since 2013. That's kind of like me with the Hi-Fi Noise Twitter. It's at Hi-Fi Noise blog because at Hi-Fi Noise is just abandoned. But for my first name, it's actually a verified user. So I am just never getting my first name ever. And I've tried just D Chapman. I've tried my first initial, middle initial, and last name. And that's taken. It's like all the versions are taken at this point. So I at least did DCHAP to get numbers out of my <laughs> things, out, out of my Twitter handle there. So there's that. But okay, second tangent aside now, we are going to wrap up this episode. And like I said, I'll be back in about a week or two undecided yet probably just be a quick 10 minute thing of me rambling on about what's going on and ever next and everything like that so thank you as always for listening to this final episode of misaligned and we hope you all enjoy the rest of your day